Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I would like to discuss with you the idea of the viability of faith in God. Whether or not modern people, especially from the places of what are called the global south, can still and ought still to believe in and trust in God. I'm raising the question as a kind of existential challenge because of the adversity and misery with which so many live and by which their lives are defined. I'm raising the question because in so many ways, the way in which life is conducted renders the idea of faith and trust in God as irrelevant and as an idea to which they are indifferent. <clears throat> it is the case that in more and more ways, people are developing and conducting their relationships as if the material provisions by themselves alone are sufficient to offer a viable life and to offer dignity to life and to cause us to make our way in the world. I'm raising the question of the viability of faith in God in practical terms. The injustice, inequality, and violence with which and by which much of our lives are defined have persisted in so many ways. And those that make use of those means and benefited, benefit from those things and the way things are, are never molested. And some are asking, why does not God do something? They mock God and harm the poor, yet they prosper. I'm not seeking to answer the question in an abstract term. Rather, I'm going to read from the very beginning the testimony of Israel as recorded in the Jewish and Christian scriptures. The testimony of Israel in its ancestral story is how we were first introduced to the idea of faith and trust in God. The following is God's giving God's own account of God's intention where people are concerned. The idea of faith does not originate from a logical deduction about life, about what works and what does not work. It is born of the nature of Yahweh, whom we know to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in Israel's testimony, in the way that one gives evidence in a court of law about God. This testimony includes citing God's own utterance about God's intention 
for human beings. Faith in God is our response of trust and obedience to Yahweh, the God who makes his intention known, in which it says, God swears by God's own self. The question of the viability of faith came to me as I made my long trek this week from Kingston, Jamaica to Ketwe in Zambia. I traveled 7,800 miles from Atlanta in the USA to Doha in Qatar, which is almost the diameter of the globe. And I went over the North Pole and then almost the Cape in South Africa before flying up to Zambia. As I surveyed the desert in Qatar and the broad and spacious land in South Africa and the mighty Zambezi River, the ugly vast inequality in housing in Soweto and the wonderful reservations with the big animals of Africa, I began to think about how far we have come and how much farther as a human family we need to travel to fix misery and inequality. I began to ask myself the question whether faith is still a viable project as an aid to the human dilemma. So that is why I am revisiting the question of faith in God. It is the testimony of Israel about conversations with Yahweh in its between Yahweh and its ancestral father Abraham. Listen, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I'm treating this as a launching project of faith. This is what tells us what faith is about. I would like to draw a conclusion from the evidence Israel has given about Yahweh in whom we trust and believe and about faith and what it hopes for. The first thing is that God has committed God's self to the human project intentionally and determinedly. It begins by God talk, taking an oath and committing God's self to the human project. It is Israel's evidence that God has taken an oath to God's self. There was no one there and no one to whom God could be held accountable or could make, who could make, who, or to whom God could be made to be obligated. It is God talking out loud to God's self, saying, I will surely bless. To bless has everything to do with starting life and sustaining life and producing life. It is to flourish. We must know that Yahweh 
about whom Israel gives evidence is the God who acts sovereignly, decisively, and transformatively. We may add that God acts freely under no compulsion, except that God has obligated God's self. Whatever we go on to discover, to know, or to believe about God, we must know that it is it begins in God's own nature. It is not because it was propitious or profitable or even popular. It is God acting on God's own volition in God's own nature. Who has taken on the human project voluntarily? God's interest in us is not conditional or temporary or for the time being, it has the full commitment and resources of God. That is what faith is, the belief that God is presently, permanently, and irrevocably, irrevocably committed to us because that is how God is and that is who God is. Israel testimony is that God is irrevocably committed to blessing us and to delivering us. The latter we learn about by another initiative in the human project when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And God said, the cries of my people have come up to me and I have come down to deliver. We discover here as God discloses God's self to us that when he, Yahweh looks at the human family, God does not go and write an essay complaining and describing what God has seen. God acts. God acts sovereignly. God acts decisively and in a way that transforms. The Bible story of Israel's testimony of God is framed between two overarching realities of human of the human situation the first was chaos and the second was exile the god in whom we believe acts sovereignly decisively and transformatively in response to the chaos that the world was without god and that the exile that is made of human affairs by acting as if there is no god in response, we are told of the God who creates, bringing order out of chaos, overcoming the chaos described as tohu vabohu in the Hebrew text of Genesis. God said, let there be, and there was. And what became from the chaos was very, very good. And then man cursed creation by murder, displacement, and oppression and God said the cries of my people have come up to me and I have come down to deliver faith believes that God still acts sovereignly decisively and in a manner that transforms God has committed God's self freely fully and forever to this project God has not got tired or overwhelmed or quit God is still on the job in your life and mine, and through your life and mine, and sometimes even without us. While we are yet sleeping in places 
and in ways we do not even know about or care about. God is totally, unconditionally, and permanently committed to bless and to deliver, to deliver God's people. Faith does not only inquire, does God, or can God? It also asks, will God? And the answer is a thousand times yes. In anticipation, faith acts to secure that for which it hopes, the blessing and the deliverance of God. Such a faith requires both a narrative and a praxis. For completeness, the testimony of Israel tells us of other things that God, that ought to guide both the praxis and the narrative of faith. The God about whom Israel gives testimony or evidence is a God who promises and a God who commands. It is not merely that God took an oath or to surely bless, but God also constantly promises. The most profound promises have come in the experience of Israel from the places of chaos and from the time of exile. As the circumstances become more adverse, the promises become more real. Whether it is promise of land or the return to a homeland, the promises of God are part and parcel of our lot and reality. The language of promise is often evocative of the saving actions of God in the past. In Israel's case, God's deliverance from slavery in Egypt so here it is that in the place where Israel is faced with the recalcitrant face of evil and in the midst of the experience of uprootedness and dislocation, when all the institutions of nationhood and nationality have been toppled and removed, that God calls up the memory of God's people of deliverance from slavery. That appeal to memory is subversive of the present. It is a form of resistance. Exile benefits from amnesia. Empires seek first to control the narrative and to benefit from making the people forget everything else. They become the only truth. It is the case that propaganda has made a comeback in the clever PR public relations game played by our leaders. Both the news and commentary, the narratives created, seek to make us forget. Faith is aided by memory of the ways in which God has made a way in the past. It is the same God that will do it again. Perhaps nothing does us a greater disservice in this period of immiseration than forgetting where we have been and how we have come this far. The song, which is known as the African-American National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing, ends with an enormous benediction and prayer, calling on God to ensure that our hearts do not forget God, drunk with the wine of the world, or stray from the path where we met thee. It is wonderful to see our women sweep the medal tables in Tokyo 100 meters final. And we should remember, we should remember them, we should remember Usain Bolt. 
But we should also remember how hard our mothers and fathers fought to free us from oppression and how they set their sights on better things than money. They set their sights on justice and peace and settled for nothing less. Listen to the words with which their black national anthem written at the start of the 20th century end. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places or God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. And may, be, may it be our own prayer, this emancipence. Amen.